yeah, you are itching to talk about yeah, a certain yeah. a so certain man. This is what I'm going to call my controversial opinion of the week. I don't think I think Oligon is a bit of a fraud. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the As It Stands podcast, the second most anticipated release of the week behind a certain spy film. <laughs> You're obsessed with James Bond. You haven't even seen it yet. I know. Oh, we're back. We are back, we're, indeed. We're back. Uh, we went into hiding for a couple of weeks, didn't we? Well, yeah. I did, after picking Stephen Gerrard in my yeah. all-time Premier League eleven. Yeah, I remained relatively unscathed from that. Yeah, that makes a change. Uh, I'd like to apologise to Mr and Mrs Frank Lampard for <laughs> omitting him from my team. Yeah, because they're certainly listening, aren't they? I think so. <laughs> I've heard it anyway. But yeah, we're back, episode six, and ready to review another game week. Of course, yes. And as per usual, uh, we're going to go straight into a statistic that you've got for us. And it's fair to say you've got quite a good golden eye for statistics. Oh, this is going to be all episode, guys. Oh, that is terrible. Uh, yes, I would like to start with a stat, if that's all right with you. Um, you know that I do like to find my stats. It's a bit of an odd job, but um, why is that not getting the same reception that you got? Behave yourself, man. <laughs> I'm laughing quietly. Manchester United, and this is who we're going to start with after their draw with Everton. Uh, it's the 4,100th game in a row where Manchester United have had an academy graduate in their wow. match day squad. Okay. A stretch of games that stretches back to 1937. Well, what is, a stat that is. That's stunning. That is a very stunning stat. Tell you what wasn't as stunning, though. United's performance. Um, a bit weak. Yeah, you are itching to talk about yeah, a certain yeah. a so certain man. This is what I'm going to call my controversial opinion of the week. I don't think, I think Oli Gunnar is a bit of a fraud. So, so I saw a comment somewhere um, that perfectly summed it up, and it's almost like Oli Gunnar is tying his own noose with the players that he signed in Ronaldo Ooh. and Sanchez and Varane. Because now there's this enormous amount of expectation with the players that he signed. He has signed world-class players. There is no doubt in that. And I'm not sure how controversial of an opinion that is, actually, because I find that more and more, as time goes on, more United fans are becoming disgruntled yes. with what they're seeing on the pitch. I completely agree. Um, do you think he's out of his depth with this job? Probably there's what's his credentials? Mulder and Cardiff. He got Cardiff relegated, didn't he? Exactly. You know, it's, it's certainly not the first time that his management would put into question, but this is the most pressure that he will have. Okay, they're, they're, at the, they're at the top end of the table. They should be with the players they've got. Yeah, I know. You know, this is a Manchester United side who are still reliant on 57-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo to pop up in the last minute and win them games. Their squad is too good for that. Yeah, yeah, it's very much the case. There just doesn't seem to be much tactical now with his game plans. It's There's very not. much a case of um, will Ronaldo pop up? Will Bruno pop up? Pogba, Sancho. He's relying too much on individual brilliance, and that doesn't win you titles. Very rarely wins you games, as it's been shown at the weekend. Let's move away from our opinion on them and start looking at them statistically. They've conceded one or more goals at Old Trafford for the last nine games in a row, longest run mm. without a clean sheet at home since 1971. Mm -hmm. They look dreadful, despite having this team of complete and utter wizards almost. And it's such a contrast to the game against Leeds on the opening day, where we were nothing but full of praise for them. And against Newcastle as well. Of course. And, and again, that was a special moment because there was a huge amount of buzz, obviously, with Ronaldo's yeah. second home debut. I mean, their next four games include Leicester away, Liverpool at home, Tottenham away, City at home. Yeah, that's when their metal will really be tested in those games. We're either looking at Solskjaer getting manager of the month or Solskjaer could be gone by November. You're telling me that if United fail to win a single one of those games, he won't go? I don't know. I mean, you want him to go because you hate the bloke. But... <laughs> I don't hate the bloke. I just 
You've got a bounty on his head. <laughs> you hate him. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if they'll be easy on him because, as you said, the history that he has with the club. On the flip side of that, you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's got a team of world beaters and he can't make them click. You've got Rafa Benitez on the other mm. half, who has a team of absolute dross, but he's making them <laughs> click. Shout out to Andros Townsend. He scored five in his last nine compared to five in 79 for Crystal Palace. Yeah. So not only is his hairline come back, but so is his form. <laughs> scoring form, yeah. I mean, shout out to Damari Gray. What a signing oh, he's baller. been so far. So uh, Another good. fantastic performance yesterday. And this is the first, like one of the first few times this season I've actually managed to sit down and properly watch Everton. Mm. And it's just the enthusiasm and the energy that they have to their game now. Anthony Gordon, who came in, Oh, you I, were singing his yeah, praises. Yeah, I thought it was terrific. Yeah. I thought he did really, really well. I mean, listen, Rafa Benitez has got his this team, as you say, of players that you wouldn't normally associate with top-level football. Oh, and you're being so polite. Their <laughs> team is dreadful. It's clear to see that Everton and Rafa Benitez have that backing, and it works. The confidence that Benitez must have from above shows in the confidence that he has for his players. He's making players like Abdullah Decore. He's just a French Mohamed El Nene. But he's <laughs> he's clicking in this Everton team. And the likes, like you said, Anthony Gordon able to come in and strut his stuff makes such a difference. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the, the game's sort of like the epitome of underwhelming coaching and brilliant coaching from one from Manchester United to Everton. Mm-hmm. Just, they just look like a really well drilled coached squad, Everton, at the moment. And as it stands, Chelsea top of the table after a 3-1 win over Southampton. Mm. You particularly spoke highly of Timo Werner in his performance Mm. and also the relief that he must feel for finally kicking the ball in the net. Timo Werner gets a lot more stick than he deserves. I've, I think I, he brings a lot more to the game. I've only scored two Premier League goals. Okay, but like the assist Three that now. he has and the way that he links up with the uh, he's not a to do he okay he's a striker first and foremost and he should be scoring goals and that is a part of the game that he needs to improve. I think there's a bit more to his game that people need to to take out how he brings other players into the game. He's got quite he got quite a few assists last season as well. Uh, he's me. Not, I just think we are treating him like a child in the sense of he's not very good at what he should be good at. So we're trying to look at, okay, what else do you do? Okay, we're, we're forcing all, oh, but he's good at assisting. And all oh, we got a few assists last year. You're a striker, put it in the okay. back of the net. But I do have to say that um, one particular stat that was my favourite I picked up, Timo Werner has scored 16 disallowed goals in the Premier League. <sighs> That's a wild stat. Yeah. Why are you not starting with a stat? Why is it me? <laughs> I saved it for, you know, for Timo Werner. Well, That's incredible. Mm. The James Ward-Prowse red card... He's had a hell of a day, by the way, scoring, <laughs> getting sent off. His first yeah. red card in six and a half years. Crazy. Wow. The referee's watching it over and over and over again. And it looks bad when you see it over and over again. The yeah. ball's there to be won. He's late. It's probably slightly dangerous. Um, I mean, it's from behind as well. It's, you know, it's, 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 a, yeah. it's a, it is a cynical. Like, he it's dangerous. Okay. It's dangerous. All right, fair enough. Touching on James Ward-Prowse again. 59% of his Premier League goals have come from set pieces. He is a set piece specialist, yeah. but yet still cannot make this England squad. He's not, he's not in the latest one, is he? He's not. Again, was admitted. He's never really, I've never felt like he's ever really been considered either. I've never really seen Gareth Southgate talk about him. You know, see Southgate talk about Smith Rowe and other players like that. I've never really heard James Ward-Prowse mentioned. I think he offers something a little bit different, as we've seen. You know, yeah. Set piece, absolute wizard. Totally. I know it's easy to say in hindsight, he might not have had a, an impact in the Euros. Of course. But Trevor Chalaber as well, second highest scorer 
at the bridge for Chelsea this season. <laughs> the kids had two shots and scored twice. Yeah. He's loving life. He is. And um, there was a lot of wariness when Tuchel was appointed about, oh, Chelsea have gone backwards. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be looking at the youth anymore. It's got it's back to the same old Chelsea. But, you know, credit to Tuchel. He's put his trust in Trevor. Trevor. Uh, Chalaba. Are you on first name basis? With <laughs> it's, it's quite a tongue twister, Trevor Chabala. Who? <laughs> Keeping that in. Oh, Trevor Chalaba. Chalaba. <laughs> see, see what I mean? Chalaba. Credit to him. Uh, he's come in and he's he's made a he's, he's made a staple into the team. Yeah, uh, he to has. the point where Tuchel considers him. Yeah, and he's given Reese James again another youth player. Yeah, something to really think about. Yeah, up the Chelsea. <laughs> right. Onto your favourite team. I'm going to throw you right under the bus. They finally won a game. Leeds. Oh, Leeds. Here we go. Leeds won. Watford nil. I've been very, very critical about Leeds. You know, I think Marcelo Bielsa is a crouching merchant and he's an absolute fraud. He makes Solskjaer look world class. I always said that when Leeds win and win well, that I would compliment them. They didn't really. Watford are terrible. But, you know, first W on the board for Leeds, you know, gives Marcelo Bielsa that huge sigh of relief that he needed. I'm not quite gonna sing their praises just yet because it was, it was yeah. It you know, it's like it's win. like going swimming and being surprised that you're wet. Like Watford, are, <laughs> Watford are dreadful. But where's this Watford hatred come from? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just think Watford are dreadful. Um, <laughs> it's because they've lost to Leeds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad they are. Um, obviously, yeah. About half an hour before we started recording, obviously they announced that Cisco had been relieved of his duties after 10 months in charge. It's now the 17th manager Watford have had in the last 10 years. Crazy. There is an inability to be in charge at Watford and be stable and build. There's no projects going on at Watford, despite the fact that these managers seem to get them up from the from the championship. It's then a case of, let's give you 10 games, lose all 10, and then just sack you again. Yeah. It's almost as if, like, putting on your CV that you've spent a full season at Watford as a manager... That's almost like one of the best things you could put on there. It's just... such a flex, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just because of how ruthless it is. If you can survive up until Christmas, then you should be putting that on your CV. Yeah, but I mean, in context of their performances so far this season, I mean, you're not wrong. Watford have been very dire. Nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, we saw a bit of promise in their opening game, but since then, it's very much like United. It's just 11 players on the pitch. There's not really much of a plan. I've mentioned Ismaili Saar and Manuel Dennis, these two powerful yeah. players up front. They don't really get utilised as much. Of course they don't. You kind of feel like Ismaili Saar's quality is the only thing keeping them afloat at the moment, very much like Ronaldo yeah. and United. I mean, I watched them against Brighton, thought they were very poor, disappointing at home to Newcastle. Uh, and Take then, your pick. Yeah, and then, and then very poor uh, against Leeds as well. The level of performances is not good enough. And how ruthless Watford are, they've probably saw, seen that. And like we need to make... We need to make a change. Yeah, you always, you know, put your bets on the first manager to go. Seven games. Is it harsh? In talks with Claudio Ranieri, as it stands. I'm dropping the name in two or three times here. I'm on fire. What would Claudio Ranieri bring to Watford if he is appointed? Besides um, winning mentality I, and I a think bit it's now. just that. It's, it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. But I, but I Fulham tried that and you saw how badly that went. True. They also spent about £400 million in the process. Yeah, trying. To I mean, it. it's a bit of an uninspired appointment. Do but you think I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if it was like a couple of years ago, then of course I think they'd be over the moon. I think it's that. a name. I I haven't recognised half of Watford's last managers. I think it's finally. Well, I suppose. A... I suppose the fact that we recognise who they're bringing. Yeah, in I don't know where they're different. finding these people from <laughs> to manage them, but at least Ranieri is a household name. 
that, that Fulham were in a very similar position and yeah. he couldn't get them playing and eventually that played a huge part in their relegation. You'd like to think that these decisions are being made with the next one in, because especially with an international break, it gives him two weeks to, to sort of try and get his mark down rather than coming straight into it. New manager bounce, you never know. Let's have a chat about Wolves. They've left Newcastle's second bottom, Wolves 2-2. Two two. Um, very impressed with Huang over the weekend. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I've made no secret that the level of performance from Wolves has been impressive. Mm. I think they've, uh, you know, the pretty team to watch, but the results haven't been there. Uh, talk about Val Jimenez not being quite there. He's got one goal, two assists in his mm-hmm. last two games. It just goes to show how much of an impact Raul Jimenez has in this Wolves side and how much he's been missed since the head injury in November. Yeah, I've said, I said at the start of the uh, pod that he is their talisman, mm. and um, yeah, they're very impressive how the link up with Huang. Mm. And Jimenez was apparent on against Newcastle. Uh, that that's going to be important for Wolves. Oh, 100%. They, they just need to turn their performances into results. And I think you know, two starting in, two, two, yeah. in, two and two. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine. I'm a bit more. I'm. I think I was a bit more optimistic about Wolves than you were. Uh, yeah, I I thought that they'd be sniffing relegation a little bit more. And yeah. after the first few sort of weeks of the season, that didn't seem out of place. And for Newcastle, Steve Bruce's side are terrible. Yeah, to say the least. Very uninspiring. We've just spoken about Watford, who are quite happy to pull the trigger, mm. and it just seems. How long has Steve Bruce got? Uh, I I don't know. I, I mean, I look at that Newcastle squad, and I think they've got enough there to not struggle. If Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is under fire at United, then surely Steve Bruce is under fire at Newcastle. I mean, yeah, but it's not just the fact that they're underachieving with the squad they have. It's just the football is just so dreadful. It's dire, isn't it? It's awful. There's nothing in this Newcastle side that when I see their team sheet, if I'm watching them, I go, oh, I can't wait to see him play. St. Maximin will put his Gucci headband on, do a few step overs, and that's kind <laughs> of it. Joe Willock's a good player, but runs about like a bull in a china shop. You know, there's nothing... That's the thing. They've got good players there. They shouldn't really be in the position that they're in. No. The players that they have. And Miguel Almiron as well. He's he's looked like a... He, he's a spectre of the player he oh, once was. goodness sake. <laughs> One more James Bond pun and you're out. I'm well, just telling you now. You know what they say. You only live twice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Such a joker. Get out. Oh, Get out. Uh, Newcastle to get relegated. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what a way to end that segment. Well, James Bond might have only wanted it for your eyes only, but unfortunately for the Burnley was, fans... I had but, such a great idea for your eyes only. Unfortunately for the Burnley fans, they had to sit through an absolute dire nil-nil with Norwich. Uh, my notes were extensive for this game. I've written, is there any point? <laughs> Norwich didn't lose and Burnley a toilet. I mean, on to Brighton, I guess. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's literally it. Um, it's a point for Norwich. It will it's, do. It's... It's the perfect example of two teams with very little quality. Yes. And the game had very little quality. You know, what a surprise. Yeah. Probably the least shocking result of the day. These two teams will struggle. And uh, if anybody asks why, I've just showed them that game. I mean, yeah. Like, it's like, I, we've said time and time again that Burnley's, but the lack of investment compared to other clubs. No, 100%. It's just going to catch up with them. Yeah. No, it's first point. What, we're in games, game week six? Game week seven. Game week seven. First point on the First board. Point. It's not good. Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley and Southampton all yet to win. And it's the first time since 1965 that four teams have failed to win on the opening seven games. It just That sort of begs the question, is there a bigger gap now between certain teams? 100%. And, you know, diamonds are forever and so is Norwich's wait for a win. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, well done for getting involved. <laughs> yeah, if you can't beat them, mate, join them. 
Um, from Russia with love to Brighton for a goalless draw. Um, oh, and it, I think I'm forcing it too. But I'm going to stop. Arsenal's 0-0 draw with Brighton. Very reactionary from the Arsenal fans, I must say. Yeah, you said that. I I'm not really quite in tune with that side of it. but um, Outrageous. I thought on paper, okay, they didn't play that well. I thought Brighton were the better team. Yeah. But it's, it's a decent result. Brighton are one of the informed teams. I'm really liking that the way that they're playing this season. I think we're finally starting to see the Graham Potter project yes. click. 100%. And um, they're in a good bit of form. I think the reason is, is because they started so poorly. And now there's a bit more urgency. Like They need to improve quickly, otherwise the gap between the top yeah. will just get bigger and bigger. Listen, that's the kind of... Brighton away is the kind of game that Arsenal get rolled over. They get bullied oh, by yeah. the home fans, just like they did against Brentford. If you compare it to the Tottenham game, terrible performance. Um, Lacazette came on for 12 minutes and had the same amount of touches as Aubameyang. <laughs> Isolated figures up front. But when you compare it to the Brentford game, very similar... A very dominant, bullying, tall, physical Brighton side, home crowd on their backs. Arsenal have dealt with that really well. That's mm. that's a point gained. Yeah. It's another clean sheet. Are Arsenal too big of a club where if you can't win the game, don't lose it, doesn't come into play with them? I think, yeah, but I think that's a history thing. I don't think the fans want Arsenal to be associated with that, and rightly so, you know, because of where they've been. And the drop off they've had, yeah, they, they, you can't really associate a club like Arsenal. It's like doing that with Man United. Yeah, like you don't really see their fans do that. Hundred percent. I mean, they've got a better squad than what they're currently doing now, but we are seeing signs of improvement. And if we can keep that up, there should be a better season than many people anticipated. Hundred percent. Four hundred and fifty minutes of football played, one goal conceded. The introduction of Ramsdale, Tommy Yasu, and Gabriel coming back has been astronomical. Arsenal mm. look a better side defensively. Yeah. Of course, they're going to go and get rolled over by teams. And of course, the process has its blips. But yeah. my worry is their lack of goals. You, of course. You've got a James Bond thing uh, in your head, haven't you? The gonna... smirk that's on your face. <laughs> I was just going to say about the Arsenal fans, you know, the, the big expectations. The world is not enough oh, for Arsenal fans. <laughs> get out. This is the sixth and final episode. Of the <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to get I'm on my way to get the podcast cancelled. Um, best player on the pitch for Arsenal yesterday, yeah. Smith Rowe, and that just goes to show the desire to play with the shirt. Quick word on Brighton as well. I very uh, a lot of people were very impressed with Cucurella. Yeah, I was a uh, I was really impressed with Cucurella as well. Stayed wide and hogged the touchline, which allowed Tommy Yasu to come out and mark him one v one, and Cucurella just had him all mm. all game. Really, yeah, looking a really good signing. But oh, simple yeah. for Arsenal, take the point and run, move on. Yeah. It was important to not go and lose going into the international break. They've kept the momentum going. Ten points in the last four. Arteta's yeah. doing all right, really. It's a, yeah. a tale of two halves. You've got to wait until Arsenal lose and you'll see the inevitable skyfall. Oh, oh cut that, please. Come cut on. That. Cut that. Cut that. That was you awful. Are... I'm embarrassed. Please cut that. That no. was my worst one. I've been really impressed with what I've been doing and I've just soiled it with that. You've sat there and not listened to a word I've said. <laughs> no, all, I have. And all you've done is I just... Have. You said something about Cucurella. <laughs> uh, just a quick word. Liverpool, Man City. Quickly put your prediction out. I think Liverpool smashed the living daylights out of City. The, li the living daylights is a James Bond pun. <laughs> I, I decided to give you absolutely zero attention for that. Like a child. Uh, it's a big Doctor No from me. <laughs> Johnny Boy, day two of recording. How are you, sir? All good here, sir. Good, sir, very formal. I'm liking the the start to this. Um, <laughs> with the way that we record this, we record in person on a Sunday to analyse Saturday's games, and we 
check in with each other online. That Whenever sounds, we can. Yeah. That sounds nasty, doesn't it? That sounds it does, terrible. Yeah. Uh, John, I want to start at Anfield because I said to you with my chest three weeks ago that Mo Salah is the best right winger in Premier League history. And tell me I'm wrong. Oh, well, oh, why would I? Because I agreed with you in that episode, it, if I recall. Yeah, but still, like, tell, tell me <laughs> right now. What well, a goal, by the way. I know. It's, yeah. I mean, Jamie Carragher said it's the best of the Premier League, one of the best of the Premier League era. I don't oh, yeah, know. but Jamie Carragher fancies anything to do with <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, but I mean, it was an incredible goal. Um, just an incredible game, or second yeah, half, I should yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was an interesting first half as well. I think City really pegged Liverpool back. We saw yeah. that first stat they have against Chelsea. It was in effect again against Liverpool. Um, but Liverpool just had a bit more ferocity about them in the second half and came at them more, and it resulted in quite the spectacle for the second 45 minutes. I saw the the clip of Jurgen Klopp's interview after the game go quite viral on Twitter and people were saying you never get this sort of tactical nous from Klopp. He was very honest, very open. I listened to it. He just waffled for like two and a half minutes about the game plan. Liverpool just soaked up that City pressure and started to take the game to City. You know, first shot of the game came from Jota on target from Liverpool in 50 minutes. Obviously didn't have a shot in the first half. It was a real sort of tale of two halves. City just could not take their chances in the first. But yeah, my goodness me, were we? Was it worth the wait? Yeah, and uh, a quick comment on the Liverpool game plan. I kind of, I think Liverpool and Klopp were sort of banking on the fact that because City don't have that recognised striker. I mean, it's it's a lot harder for them. Well, it's not a lot harder, but they have Our to City work. City have scored twice at Anfield, and we're still talking about how they don't have a recognised striker. It's boring. Tell me how many teams at the end of the season will do that. But what I'm saying is that City will have to work a little bit harder just to find the back of the net than compared to when they had Aguero. You look at Sterling. Sterling is a particular player I think is struggling without a recognised striker up top. He was class when he was playing with Aguero and he's been really successful with England when he's played up top with Kane. He likes having that type of player up front with him. I just think that without a striker, players like Sterling have suffered a little bit. Yeah, but Sterling can't get in the team because Gabriel Jesus is in there. A recognised striker. doesn't matter if you're playing him at centre-half or right wing. He is a recognised striker. But he's not yeah. playing in a recognised striker role. So City's... Get... But that's not the City ethos, is it? You know, you could play John Stones in that centre-forward role. It's interchangeable. Foden was there at one point. So was Jesus. De Bruyne pulls forward. Bernardo Silva comes forward. I mean, I think it applies to any team. I think if any team plays without a recognised without a recognised striker, they're going to have to work harder to score goals and take their chances. I think that's the case with any team. The reason why the system works in their favour is because they have players that can score from any position. They've got defenders who can score. They've got midfielders who can score. They've got wingers who can they, who can score. You know, you yeah. look at Liverpool as well. They don't really play with an out and out. I mean, Firmino is technically their out and out striker, but they're looking towards their wingers in Mane and Salah for goals. It's just the way the game is now. The, they Teams now rely a lot on wingers for goals as well as assists. Which is why Gabriel Jesus is thriving in his new position. Away from City, let's let's mention Liverpool. That's now 19 games unbeaten for them. Peter Drury described Mo Salah's goal. It's all I'm going to talk about. I'm sorry, so strap in. <laughs> uh, Peter Drury on commentary described it as PlayStation football. He has absolutely ripped that Man City defence apart. Very reminiscent to Lionel Messi's one against Bayern Munich in the yeah, Champions League course. where he snaps Boateng's ankle. Uh, I'll say that again. I think the goal is better than the one that he scored against Everton at Anfield, which won the, which won the Puskas Award. Nice. Is that how you say it or not? Yeah, no, spot on. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know your uh, Hungarian footballers aren't 
sort of too <laughs> hot in your hot in your mind. Yeah, it's an absolute it's an absolute worldie, and it epitomises yeah. what Mo Salah is all and, about. And and also a couple of goals to mention as well. I think Liverpool's first goal was actually quality as well. I think Salah again shows great quality in there as well to get the it's interesting and it shows the intelligence as well because the way he skips past Cancelo he knows he's on a booking Cancelo yeah. sticks out this lazy backwards yeah. leg with no real intention of winning the ball because he's so scared of getting a yellow card yeah. again and, and that uh, just shows that Mo Salah's just gone at him go at your yeah. man I mean I've, I don't think many people say this about Salah but he is a strong player his upper body strength is that's a joke insane another goal to mention I thought the Bruyne's goal was class as well yeah, it takes a massive nick off Joel Matip. If he gets his lanky giraffe body out of the way, I think Alisson saves it comfortably. But he started the move and he's finished the move. It was a yeah. wonderful goal. Just as good as a goal. I want to pay homage to Rodri. His block on the line oh, yes. at 2-2 is disgustingly underrated. Yeah. And has gone under that radar because I every goal that did go in was, was yeah, well passed. Was, was quality. I think Fabinho does try to go for placement rather than power. But, I mean, Rodri, the way that he gets back in that speed to get the block in... Sensational Anfield. defending, yeah. And a 2-2 at Anfield and another one at Selhurst Park and my boys Crystal Palace. How many times have we seen it where a team absolutely batters the other but then finds themselves getting beat? 2-0 down after dominating in the first half hour. Yeah, yeah, we caught a bit of this game after recording um, uh, yesterday and uh, we both looked at each other and said, how are, Leicester in, how are Leicester in front? They were by far the second best team on 100%. the pitch. Yeah. Um, I think the only real chance of note was a long-range effort by Yuri Tillemans. I mean, Leicester are struggling. It's a very indifferent start to their season. I think it's too early to sort of question Brendan Rodgers. Too early to question Brendan Rodgers, but not too early to question Solskjaer. I kind of get your point. I mean, Leicester have struggled with injuries, particularly the back. You know, Wesley Fofana had a pretty horrendous injury in pre-season. They've also got Johnny Evans out. I mean... I know Johnny Evans on paper, but you just look at Leicester's defence. The, the lack of organisation now, yeah. now that Evans has gone. Uh, he, I mean, Soyancu's form and people's opinion of him has dipped so much since the Euros. He was part of that Turkey side that was very hipster, very cool, all dark horses. And they got spanked. Now, all of a sudden, Soyancu's pants again. I think largely, part. I was just going to say, a large part of why he looked good was because he had... Johnny Evans next to him. Johnny Evans is that kind of defender with experience that get you know gets the defence together. Oh, John, having Johnny Evans there is like going food shopping with your mum. You know that you're going to get in, get what you need, and get out. Exactly. And that's what exactly. Needs. And sometimes you need that reliance as a team in defence. Like Vestergaard, he's had an awful start to his Leicester career since his move Terrible. from Southampton, and and we sort of picked up on that as oh that could be a very good signing for them. Mm. And he's he's just not hit the ball at all. You know, credit to Leicester. Jamie Vardy and Inianacho, obviously both scoring at the weekend. That's mm. 33 goals in 32 games between them. That is yeah. a, a partnership that you don't really associate Jamie Vardy with having a strike partnership. Obviously, he had the, the romance with Mares in the league winning season. But it's always been him as the main sort of focal point and Inianacho sort of sniffing at his position, coming on for him with 10 minutes to play. But the two of them together, that's that's quite a bromance that's blossoming. Yeah. I was just thinking, actually, just now, do you think that his age could be a factor in that? Do you think that Brendan's probably looked at that, or Brendan and Jamie have looked at that and thinking, actually, as he gets a bit older, he may need to, he may need to do less work and thus the second striker has come in? I think so. Certainly in maybe his athleticism. You know, his legs may not be there anymore and he needs a bit of a runner. But you try and accommodate for Jamie Vardy however you can. 
whether you need yeah. two players up top with him or no one. Of course, of course, yeah. And also credit to Ian Acho when it looked like he was going to be completely left out of the lesser team. He's come yeah. back in a big way since last season. And has looked to carry that on this season as well. It looked to a point where it looks like I would get a game for Leicester before he would. He's really, <laughs> he's really come onto his own. And for Palace, I mean, it's a case of Patrick Vieira's super subs. You know, 47 seconds of Schlupp being brought onto the pitch. He, he bags the equaliser. And they could and potentially should have gone and won it as well, Palace. Yeah, I mean, again... Um... It's very much like the um, Tottenham game that we watched. Palace were just a better team, I think, throughout most, if not all, the match. But the difference is in this one, they're going to be disappointed that they haven't gone out and won the game. I mean, I your guess... French your French is terrible, but what do you reckon Patrick Vieira said to the boys at half-time? 2-0 down, you've played better. How do you rally the <laughs> troops for that? I think, Well, I, it's, it's a tricky one because it's not like they played badly in the first half. So you can't, you can't exactly go in and say, oh, you know, we need to change it up. Because anything play- that makes it worse, he goes into the dressing yeah. room and says, keep doing what you're doing. Bro, we're 2-0 down. But then he introduces the subs and he sees and, and the players yeah. see the impact that they've made and all of a sudden they're spurred on. Mm-hmm. It just gives them, uh, just gave them that much need a bit of life. I mean, we saw that against Tottenham. He brings Edward on. Edward scores twice. You know, I think both the goal scorers against uh, Leicester were subs, weren't they? Yes. Yes. Um, Michael yeah. Elise as well. Yeah. Coming on. And, and, and credit to him because we've spoken about Conor Gallagher who has probably been their star out player so far in the season. Yeah. Bit, bit disappointing against Leicester. We saw that, Patrick Vieira saw that, and he had the courage to take off a player and bring another one on who's changed the impact of the game. So fair play to Vieira. He made good, good uh, game management to get Palace back in it. The one thing I will say on Brentford in their 2-1 win over West Ham before I let you let loose if you need to, um, Brentford unbeaten away in the Premier League so far in three games. and uh, The last newly promoted side to go four unbeaten was Hull in 2008-9. They look good. That's a that's a real snatch and grab for them at the London Stadium. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. They look very good. They're very hard to beat, which is the main thing. And it's important for uh, a newly promoted team, especially away from home, where it's, gonna, it's naturally going to be harder to get points. Uh, they're yeah. doing very, very well. And people often criticise their tactics. Uh, you know, people say a lot of dive-in physicality time wasting but it works it works and they're a newly promoted team they're not going to have the quality of other teams in there they're going to try every trick in the book to get victories and get points on the board and they can play wonderful football i mean they played great football at wolves they played your first 20 25 minutes they played us off the park i thought they played some really really good football so from a neutral perspective it's obviously great to see brentford continue to do well it's just a shame that it's at my team's expense. Um, I think uh, for the first half, we were very poor. Second half, we I think we were the better team in the second half. I don't think many people can argue with that. But again, it's just that Brentford digging in, grinding out the result. And not only that, going on and winning it afterwards, which, which, which brings me on to another thing as well. Very strange thing to point out is that Moyes didn't make any substitutions. You know, when no? they'll start... No. No right. substitutions. And he often has a reputation for making one or two substitutions, usually very late, don't really have an impact on the game. I was very surprising that he didn't make a single sub because we're now getting in the thick of it scheduling-wise. We've now got the Europa League. We've now got the League Cup underway. We're still in those competitions. We've also got the Premier League. Is this another case of you struggling with a game straight after Europa? 
There was certainly a sense of fatigue coming towards the end of the Brentford game, which I think contributed significantly to the loss. I think there was also a sense of fatigue in the Leeds match, uh, but we did and we did very well to win that late on. I also think there was a sense of fatigue in the second half in midweek in the Europa League. Okay, again we went on to win that game, but you saw the pace of the game died down significantly because yeah. there is a sense of tiredness in there. It's no surprise we've got a small squad that we've yeah. had to we have to be smart with the rotation. I don't know. I feel like Moyes is going to get criticised heavily when it goes wrong but I, I think it's just a natural way of life with it Leicester have got very terrible Europa League form and have brought that form into the Premier League you've got very good Europa League form and it's suffering in the Premier League I, I don't think there I needs mean, to be an, a reason why it went wrong Moyes hasn't I mean, made a sub if if he does make three subs and you go and get beat 2-1 it makes no difference you it know? doesn't no it doesn't well, I, was, I wasn't speaking in terms of the game I was speaking in terms of the squad's fitness levels and, and match yeah. sharpness that's what the only thing I was considering about then I will say though that it's interesting when you look at West Ham's form so they've only won one in the last five in the league but in all competitions they've only lost two out of 18 stretching back to last season so it, re- it really depends. If you're glass half full, glass half empty, you'll be looking at one of those stats and picking them apart. Which one are you? I mean. I'm, I'm probably leaning towards in all competitions. Yeah, I'm disappointed with the result and we have dipped in form in the league slightly, but we look good as a team and we look yeah. good. And we play second half was more of what we're capable of, mm-hmm. but we just gave ourselves a bit too much to do. Couldn't finish our ta- chances. I think any other day, if we finish our chances, we'd probably go on to get a point, maybe even win the game. Uh, no goals in six now for Sir Harold Kane, but he was alongside a Spurs side that managed to stop the rot. Three losses in a row to then go and beat Aston Villa 2-1. I suppose we mention it. I know it's Tottenham, but we might as well talk about it. Um, it's the Son show for them. I know he didn't score yeah. at the weekend, but directly involved in 11 of the last 12 goals that Spurs have scored. Mm. He is slowly becoming Son FC. Mm. And he, I mean, he may not have scored a goal, but it was another fantastic performance from him. Always. I mean... He's running until the last minute. He's running mm. until the last minute. And people often say, you know, uh, even when Kane was scoring freely, people were like, oh, yeah, Son's their best player. Son's their best player. And I think we're now seeing that. I think Kane deli- played and they won the game, but he delivered enough performance once again. Yeah, It's all about Son and all the players around him as well. I think Tottenham delivered a much better performance than the last few games. And they really needed to. They really needed to because... Mm. You just thought the pressure was starting to mount a little bit after such disappointing performances. Because not only had they lost games, but they lost them emphatically. They were very poor against Arsenal, particularly in the first half. All over the place against Crystal Palace. Uh, beat Comprehensively beaten by Chelsea. Yeah, swept aside in London yeah. for those three weeks. Wasn't yeah, they? yeah. They would, it was the manner of the performances. Much needed victory for Tottenham Hotspur. And they just need to, again, they just need to rebuild that confidence and, and try and get their form back. A decent week for Aston Villa, a win at Old Trafford and a narrow defeat to Spurs. That's a tough, tough week for Dean Smith's side. And he's come right out of the back of it. Three points. Quite happy with that. Yeah, I was just going to say it's probably testament to Aston Villa's optimism, if you like, that they'll be disappointed to come to Tottenham Hotspur and lose. Yeah. Um, they'll be looking to win this game. They'll be looking to get a point from this game. And I'm sure they'll be dis- from their perspective, they'll be disappointed. Their midfield was quite weak in the game. That the uh, transitions from midfield to attack, Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins didn't get the service that they needed. No. Um, question marks are being asked over whether the two can play together. 
I mean, Danny Ings obviously had a terrific start. Ollie Watkins, of course, scored, but you know, it's very, it's there's still questions over whether they can play effectively together in a team. But I thought the midfield was Aston Villa's weakest link over the weekend. Uh, I think Hoiberg uh, for Spurs. I, I thought he had a really good game as well, and he was a big part of actually that Spurs victory. He can Hoybier is either influential in a Spurs victory or is the key element to Spurs getting battered. Of, of, of I course, feel. yeah, of course. But when it works, he works very well. And he did against Aston Villa. Just a final word on Harry Kane. Like we said, six games now without a goal so far this season. At what point do we start to be very critical of Tottenham's transfer business in not getting rid of him when they could have done? I mean, I kind of said that initially. And um, people often argued that, oh, you know, Kane's a professional player. He, he you know, he, he'll perform for Spurs still. He looks so disinterested. I know. I know. And it's just like... Or the Europa League, of course. It must be... <laughs> it must be such a slap in the face just to see that. Huge. You know, from a Spurs fan's perspective. I think it's mm. incredibly disrespectful. Uh, because the most frustrating thing is, is that he can play and he can play better. He knows that the fans know that, and he's choosing. It just seems like he's choosing not to do it, which is yeah, anything, anything but professional. Right, just as we're about to wrap things up, it's time to take a look at our player and goals of the week. Start with you, Connor. Who've we gone for? Yeah, probably the easiest two awards I'll give this season, um, all in one game as well, which makes my life a little bit easier. Goal of the weekend comes courtesy of the Egyptian king Mo Salah, the upper body strength to hold off the City press the little skill and the drag to get through the challenge and then to send Laporte back back to France. Um, it was just a wonderful finish and it's a credit to Mo Salah in what he does best and scores in big games. Performance of the weekend has to go to Phil Foden for me. To be so young and to have such an impact. You know, that's his sixth goal against Liverpool, I think, and like his 12th goal involvement against the big six. It's ridiculous. This kid is just playing with so much confidence and he's absolutely brimming. And it's now at the point, I feel, where the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and the likes of Bernardo Silva are starting to take a, a word or two from him. I don't think Phil Foden is as starstruck in that Manchester City midfield as we usually expect. So that's no, where he's, my two He's fading seamlessly in there, isn't he? The man's a baller. <laughs> I don't mean to be boring, but I think the goal of the week is going to have to be the same. I think it's just nice. too much class of a goal. Just to set. I, I don't even want to be controversial as that good of a goal. You know, I just can't. I just can't look anywhere else. Um, I have to agree with you on the uh, Mo Salah goal. Um, my player of the week. I had a few candidates. Uh, Phil Foden, obviously being one. I thought yeah. Anthony Gordon uh, for Everton yes. at Old Trafford was fantastic. I think my player of the week is going to be Cucurella for Brighton. Oh, I just think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it was a commanding, confident performance at left back, and he played a big part in Brighton's solidarity at the back, and also well going forward. I think it just delivered a fantastic performance. We mentioned it; he was man of the match. It was just a complete performance for left back. So Cucurella is my player of the week. A shame that both of our player of the weeks have not been on winning sides, but it just goes to show the <laughs> just to show the impact that they've had in their team. A successful recording and. Most impressive of all is that you haven't dropped in any more James Bond quotes. I'm gutted. I completely oh, he's forgot. forgotten. <laughs> one, one day of work and he forgets it. I think I exhausted it all yesterday. Johnny Boy, episode six is a wrap. We will be back next weekend, albeit for a more international special. So stay tuned for that.
Um, keep an eye on the socials as always. Instagram and Twitter will link them in the Spotify link as well. So thank you for listening as always. And my friend, a week off from West Ham getting beat. <laughs> yes, I get to relax finally. <laughs> Take care, buddy. It's, it, cheers, guys. <laughs>